Hey everyone, welcome to the Unrelating Podcast. So today we have Jeff Pincus, a wonderful couples therapist of many, many years uh, older. And I'm going to actually just read something that uh, that he says during the podcast that I've just been chewing on and think is just such a powerful statement. He says, I don't want couples tiptoeing around each other, afraid to trigger one another. I've seen way too many couples try and avoid conflict and end up not dealing with things. The more they avoid, the more they're confirming that they or the the other is too fragile to handle truth or reality. This is bad. It ends up, it, it feels like the relationship is tenuous. So his desire is for couples to be robust and resilient. He wants partners to be able to complain to each other in a way that doesn't sound like criticism, but expresses genuine frustration. He wants partners to be able to take in one another's complaints without turning the tables or getting defensive. So in this podcast, we get in there. We talk, I talk a bit about my own relationship and uh, what what gets in the way of actually naming what I need, and uh, I think it's a real valuable one. Uh, would love your feedback on it, and uh, please enjoy Jeff Pincus. Good morning and welcome, Jeff Pincus. Uh, hi. I just want to hi. Just want to uh, start by just asking you to just kind of introduce you yourself basically where you're where you live and and what what you do in the world sure um so i live here in boulder colorado beautiful boulder and uh i work with couples uh, and i work with couples in a variety of different different ways uh doing ongoing couple therapy i also do three-day intensives with couples. And then my wife and I were doing workshops for uh, couples, which were kind of a a multi-couple weekend experience, but certainly that has stopped since COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, and then I also um, train couple therapists as well. And I've done that for a number of years. Right. And just to name it, I've experienced your, your wonderful, training you're a great teacher really pithy really get to the to the heart of the matter that's why i invited you to talk today one of the reasons um so speaking of covid so if if you would just kind of share with the listeners what you're noticing like in the in the evolution of your work you know um the couples that you were seeing prior to covid and then watching watching them adapt and orient around these really really significant new conditions for their relationship yeah i think we're you know collectively we're in uncharted waters and um and it's really stressful for folks and it seems to be exposing what's already there and so for some couples you know i i've seen them come together in a, in a profound way and get really clear as to what's important to them, you know, what's important to them and in their life and um, actually doing quite well. Um, and then some other couples who are really struggling, especially I would say, you know, the, the couples that um, have young children, it's really hard. So if you have two parents that are having to work and having to work from home, 
then also having to um, deal with little ones. Uh, and I'm not sure about Oregon, where you are, but Colorado, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a released Boulder Valley School District um, closed the schools and now it's, it's all from home again. And so certainly that is putting a lot of uh, stress and demand on on partners, on parents, on on couples to to be so many things, um, kind of all at once sometimes, and and that's hard. As well as not being able to rely on uh, some of the outside support that they used to rely on, that might be uh, childcare and in laws and school. So the that's gone away. And so for a lot of folks, um, just the level of demand of attention and energy and time that they're experiencing, I think, can really uh, distress the relationship. Are, are, you, are you noticing anything evolving in your own approach as you as you... I mean, I'm just wondering, are you, are you sometimes getting into more of the nitty gritty around like supporting a couple to, to organize their days so that they're able to actually make it through the day Mm -hmm. with with a bit less stress in the system? Yeah. You know, not so much scheduling because, because most, most couples can, can, can figure that out, but just the importance of being able to, um, work well together. And so I would say, you know, the overarching theme there is to be really good partners that, that are, um, that have the same goal and, and for them to remember that they have the same goal and for them to remember that they each have particular strengths and, you know, just the, just to remember also that the particular biases that, that we all come to relationship with and how those are likely playing out with misunderstandings, misperceptions, and how to correct that stuff really quickly on the fly because they don't have a lot of time or literally the space or privacy to, to hash things out for, um, say, even half an hour. So they have to be really good at co-regulating and coming back to a baseline of partnership and love and kind of shared mission, and they have to be able to do that fast. Yeah. Do you, do you have a, any, I mean, you could kind of almost make it up, but uh, like a specific example of, of how, how you, you know, end up coaching a couple to be able to do that better, mm-hmm. that kind of efficient correction of misperception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think for one, the, the transitions are really important for them. So a lot of couples get into trouble with, if one's working at a certain time and one's watching children at a certain time, and then when they switch and hand off, just the importance of literally connecting. It might just be looking in their eye, in each other's eyes, touching each other, um, having literally 15, 20 seconds of connection before they change jobs. Because oftentimes what, what I've noticed is just in that changing, um, there's a uh, there's a, a a potential for misunderstanding, you know what the other person was up to, how good of a job the other one did with X, Y, or Z, with getting lunch done or getting the dishes done, 
Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with carrying more stress in the body. And then they see their partner and it's easy to just sort of um, target one's partner uh, because because they're the person closest to us. I mean, I know my wife has to deal with me sometimes when I'm irritable. She can be the one that pays the price for that. And so I need to watch that and be careful of that. And so um, in those transitions, really just helping a couple connect on the fly and have a moment of rest. And literally we're talking something like 30 seconds, I think. You know, Rick Hansen talks about taking in the good and how it takes about 25 seconds of a positive experience to go into long-term memory. So that's why it's important to actually rest in that good experience of connection or relaxation for perhaps half a minute before you go on to the next task. Because if they don't do that, it's more than likely that Again, there'll be some kind of misunderstanding later on, or that stress is going to come out in the relationship rather than using the relationship to mitigate the stress. I actually something come to mind just to get, get your because uh, it's it's loosely based on what you you were just um, describing, and that's, that was that's my own experience uh, yesterday. So I was um, with the kid. Like for a good couple, couple few hours, getting doing all the the a lot of the dinner prep for Thanksgiving, cleaning up the house, mm-hmm. and my wife was taking a nap. She had a really bad night's sleep, which is totally fine with. Um, but yeah, you know, when she came down, um, I forget what she asked, but it was she kind of just went right into um, to something about like the plan for the night without kind of like without a kind of a pause. And I know uh-huh. myself very like, like uh, very sensitive to that, like kind of like this part of me just arose, like, didn't you just, don't you see like all that I've been doing? And then I was a little bit embarrassed by having that kind of um, need like for acknowledgement or, or something, but, but it was kind of involuntary you know, in the, in, in the sense that when she came down, not having that was, and I, and I did mention, I was like, it, it would be nice just to, I would I'd like a little bit, not, I forget what I said, but something like that. Yeah. She was like, Oh yeah, of course. You want- oh my God. You, it's look, looks so great in here. Sorry. I just, you know, Yeah. but it, it is perfect example. Yeah. Is it? Well, I'm just kind of curious, like what, what is it in me? It just feels so involuntary that, that desire for that acknowledgement from, from her, you know? Yeah. And I think for one, it's, you know, it, it was valid, you know, your need is because she was, um, getting some renewal. She needed to rest, right? So she was resting and, and came down probably raring to go like, okay, now she's charged up and you've been on for hours, um, several hours straight and aware of the fact that she was napping. And uh, so I think first off, and, and then I'll get to your more deeper personal question, but first off, you could see how, you know, maybe you guys were just out of sync for a moment because your nervous systems were in attending to very different um, 
things. You, you know, nervous system was focused on one, your wife's nervous system was focused on resting. Your nervous system was focused on getting stuff done, taking care of your child and also just preparing the house and being task oriented. So it makes sense. Even that transition was a little wonky, especially when she didn't acknowledge, you know, what you were up to. And so, I mean, it just tells me that um, appreciation goes a long way for you. And, and that, well, you know, I don't want, I don't know how deep you want to go with that. Um, because I'm hearing you ask, you know, why is sort of questioning yourself? Why is that need there? You know, is it, is it, um, and so I, I do wonder though, I mean, does it get satisfied when she does say to you, Hey babe, thanks so much. You did an awesome job. What happens in your experience when she says, yeah, that? I relax a bit. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it speaks to, you know, you probably, for one, you're, you're a conscientious person as well as, um, you know, again, I don't want to analyze you too much in, in front of everybody, <laughs> right? But, <I> don't, <laughs> but is that something that you, did, did you get enough of that, you know, growing up? Sure. Um, either, you know, did you get enough of that? Or also was there, you know, in your family, was there an emphasis um, put on tasks where that's actually what was valued? Um, getting stuff done, being competent. Yeah, I mean, I've been reflecting on that a lot um, because because I, I notice how much it's um, how I I was no, actually noticing it while I was cleaning up the house. There was this kind of like this um, um, pervading expectation of like, oh, she somebody in this case her is going to be able to celebrate this this glorious yeah. cleaning and cooking job that I've performed. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was yeah. in part like, God, is that a little like needy, you know, right. It's, it, it, there's a, there's a certain kind of self self judgment there. And at the same time, it seems so, um, you know, just so conditioned. So, so kind of involuntary. And it probably is. I mean, what, what you're in touch with is your own sort of, instinctual reflective um uh sort of need perhaps to be acknowledged and you know i think it's important to be compassionate towards that Mm -hmm. actually rather than labeling it um or judging it uh, to be able to be compassionate and you know I, i i like the fact that you're questioning that you're noticing that you know so clearly you're someone that that self reflects and is curious as to you know what motivates you and you could see wow there at least yesterday and maybe it wasn't just yet it's not just yesterday but there was a strong motivation to be recognized mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh i i i actually see that just kind of a little segue into what what i see in people's a lot of you know, clients i work with uh and friends a, a, a general See how to put this. It's it's is it there's a there's almost like a common self expectation to not need to not need that 
like to not need the acknowledgement to think that like that it that I that I should just really acknowledge my it's 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 all kind of part and parcel with a lot of that individualistic like I need to love myself I I don't I, I shouldn't really need the other for that kind of acknowledgement and it seems to really put people in this like um actually pretty tense place I mean it puts me in it when I'm in that um because like you're kind of reflecting back to me there's a there's a naturalness I think to that need to be acknowledged by the, the people really closest to us. Like, we're so social, so utterly social in that way. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. I think it's in some ways it, it can be easy to judge ourselves, to pathologize ourselves or to have some ideal model of what a mature person is. And that mature person doesn't have longings and fears and the reality is we come to a relationship with deep longings and deep fears and those are profound motivators um, for us and our behavior um, and and why we feel the way we do and i think the more that we can recognize what those longings and fears are the more that we can negotiate in an adult manner, um, at least to get some of those longings met. We don't get all of our itches scratched, but hopefully we get um, enough of them so that relationship is profoundly satisfying. Um, so, yeah, why, why be in relationship if you don't have any needs, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And it, it makes me think, I mean, it's something that's been kind of forming for me in a, in a, in terms of a rough, like, um, model of, of what we're doing in, in these committed relationships is this kind of this, this both and this meeting in the middle. It's like, we both are, yes, looking to the other naturally, Okay, I'll just take myself for example. I think I actually have, um, for my own well-being and therefore for the well-being of the relationship, need uh, benefit from practicing asking for that, asking for my needs, asking for some reflection, like telling her, you know, I would really love for you to just let me know how much you appreciate all that I cooked today, you know, and and enjoy your meal and sit down with it. And because I love to cook and I like something I really enjoy. And when she's just eating it while texting, I'm like, you just you know, take the table and enjoy it. Um, yeah. And to ask for that is a stretch for me because it's countering some, you know, this part, part of me that just says, I don't need, I, I shouldn't need that. You know, that's, that's uh, immature or something. Um and and then just just to kind of finish, uh, paint the whole picture, you know, for, for my wife, there's a little bit more, you know, she's working more like, how do I do some of this? How do I go inward sometimes and kind of regulate myself and not not bring everything to the table to the other to be sorted out with me, for instance? Yeah. And, and, and the truth, 
Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying that um, kind of like where's the sweet spot? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not being completely self-reliant and, and cut off, which, which what you're naming also is that's not true. She came downstairs. You worked hard. You did want some acknowledgement. Um, or going to the other extreme of, uh, you know, demanding that your partner meet every possible um, need that you might have as you feel it. And, you know, I think the truth from what you're describing is you're probably not at risk to be that second guy, right? As, as I'm not either, you know, asking isn't so easy for me um, either. And like you, I, 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 it feels really good when what I do is recognized and I'm appreciated and I'm um, um, perceived as competent. Um, That feels really good to me. And that's important to me. And as I see it, it's, it's also as, as this has been kind of evolving for me, it's been a lot about finding my way to ask for it in a way that it can actually be met, you know, because historically I would, you know, let, let, let a sort of resentment build up around not say being appreciated or acknowledged. And then it would just kind of come out kind of passive aggressively. Um, so there, there's something about for me developing at least some measure of, of vulner, like bringing some measure of vulnerability to it um, and, and dialing down, dialing down the blame, the story that you should just know to come down and just like, just give me some props here. You should just know that. Right. <laughs> Didn't you smell the cooking as soon as she came down the stairs? Right. Aren't you inhabiting my reality? Aren't you? Uh, right. That's, um, and, and, you know, that I think is, is something that we can mature, right? You know, many of us, we walk around with this, with this, um, it's almost like a sense of entitlement, which is, which is young, but not, not a healthy entitlement, the entitlement that, that I want what I want, but I'm actually not going to do, I shouldn't have to do anything to get it. So I want what I want, but I shouldn't have to do anything to get it. And what you're describing is the doing sometimes feels really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the asking for it can feel really vulnerable. So you won't ask and, or I won't ask, and then we'll see what they do. And then there's, and then we're disappointed and then we'll let them know about our disappointment, um, which isn't really fair. Right. Right. Yeah. I, ideally, you know, partners know each other well enough to know what feels really good and why and what feels really painful and why. But what's also true is we're not going to get it perfectly. It's impossible. So when we don't get it pers- perfectly or our partner doesn't get get us perfectly. She's coming down the stairs. You guys were in again, very different states. She's waking up probably raring to go um, because Thanksgiving's coming and there are things to do. And yet you've been on now that sort of first shift. And um, she just innocently didn't realize, Oh, 
you really want some recognition of, man, you've been hitting hard for the last few hours and wow, that looks great and smells great. And thank you so much. And, and maybe, you know, if you brought that to her in a, in a, in a, um, in a way that made it easier for her to provide, um, you know, you, you could have more of that. You could have had more of, you know, I don't know what comes to mind when she, for some reason I'm imagining she was coming down the stairs, but she was. that might not be true. She, wasn't. <laughs> she was coming in from the, the bedroom. Or right. She's coming down the stairs. Yeah, she was. Okay. What could you have uh, said to her? Uh, something along the lines of, um, could you just pause for a moment? Um, I just really, really sense how, um, I could really actually use some acknowledgement for everything that I've been doing the last few, few hours. Um, it just helped me really just feel seen in the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. And would she, what, how do you think she would have responded to that? Oh, she'd be totally like, Oh yeah, sure. What, what, what particularly the, like, Oh, I see. Yeah. You, completely swept. That's awesome. You know, she, yeah, she would, she would roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. She's just the, the, um, the type to just be, uh, just kind of have a momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, a lot of and things going on at once, you know, really. Yeah. <laughs> And it sounds like she would be happy to, to again, give you some of the love that you needed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You just have to, and, you know, the, uh, I think, you know, hopefully some of the, some of the takeaways for our listeners too, sometimes, sometimes we do need to ask and ask in a way that is inviting, ask in a way that makes it easy for the other one to provide. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's a nice kind of link to something I wrote down as a question I want to bring to you, which is there, there's there's something I'm noticing both in my again both in my own uh, marriage and in uh, the uh, couples and individuals I work with, and that is um, how how to bring feedback to another so that that part of them that does really feel like they are never doing enough isn't, isn't, isn't act, isn't so activated. It, 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 there's, there's a need in relationship to bring, to bring feedback, to say, you know, I could really, um, you know, uh, I could really use a bit more help with, with the, the, uh, the homeschooling with the kid, you know, for, for instance, it's not my particular situation, but just something like that. And then the re- the response can can often trigger. You know, I'm putting I'm putting, especially in these times, right when there is so much being put out by, as you brought up earlier with parents, that there's there's such a quick response of of I'm already doing enough, and now you want more of me, or I'm not doing enough, like and uh, and the pushback. You get kind of what I'm pointing to that. Yeah. So h- how do you, you know, sort of how do couples navigate when, um, when they are frustrated? And, and I, and I think 
first off, I think what's important is that partners, actually, I'll take a step back. Um, I don't want couples tiptoeing around each other, being afraid to trigger each other. Um, because better that they learn how to deal with the triggers, um, both within themselves and their partner than trying to, um, avoid it. And, and I've seen too many partners, too many couples try and avoid conflict and they end up not dealing with things, um, directly. And, and the more that they avoid, the more that they're confirming that either someone or something is too fragile to handle the truth or too fragile to handle reality. And that feels bad, actually. Um, it, it feels like the, the relationship is tenuous or that a person is tenuous. And so in order to really be more um, robust and resilient, I want partners to be able to deal with conflict. I want them to be able to complain to each other about each other um, in a way that isn't just critic, you know, it, it isn't, uh, doesn't sound like criticism, but that does express genuine frustrations. And then I want partners also to be willing to take up the other's complaints um, and not debate reality and not um, defend or explain or justify or turn the tables by saying, well, but what about you yesterday? You know, what about your thing? You know, um, but to be able to come to each other, complain about something in a sincere, but relational way, you know, I feel, you know, I'm really frustrated when, uh, you know, I've been cleaning the house and, and I notice, uh, you know, you said you were going to take care of this pile and this pile, you know, wasn't taken care of and, I, and I'm frustrated and I know how much you're doing. So I'm not saying you're not doing enough. Right. So, I, so that's an example of, you know, trying to be somewhat preemptive that this isn't criticism that you're not doing enough. I know we're both maxed out, but it would mean so much to me if you could just take care of that pile. Um, it would mean that, uh, I, I would actually feel cared for because for whatever reason, that pile really bites me and it's important to me um, to be able to say something like that and have the partner be willing to um, acknowledge it and take it up and show interest and, you know, make a plan to fix it rather than defending themselves. And I know that that's not easy. No one, none of us like to be complained about and the tendency especially for some of us that if someone is complaining about us, it feels like a personal attack. And I think that's where some of the work that you're talking about, I think that you're also alluding to Ryan of, of sort of like the, the personal work of being more mature. Um, you know, I think we, ha if you're going to be in a relationship, uh, we have to be, learn how to be more robust and resilient because we're going to do stuff that completely bugs the shit out of uh, 
the other person. Like I'm, I know I do stuff that bugs the shit out of my life. You know, I, I know I'm difficult at times and I used to defend myself and I used to feel criticized. And then I really had to take up, you know, I do do stuff that is annoying and, and, and I have to learn about that and not just annoying. I mean, if this is okay to say on uh, a podcast, I had to learn that I could be an asshole sometimes because um, when that was pointed out to me, I would just defend myself. How could you say that? Um, no one else thinks I'm an asshole. But the truth, everyone else seems to like me, but no one else is married to me. So no one else sees me at my worst. And my wife sees me at my best, but also sees me at my worst. And so um, I had to take up that, oh, I can kind of be an asshole sometimes. You know, I'm from New York. My mom's from Brooklyn. My dad was from the Bronx. You know, kind of tough, aggressive people sometimes. And I had to take, I had to be willing to look at that and not just debate it. And then I started to catch myself. I started to catch uh, the ways that I might be perceived as being kind of an asshole. You know, nothing over the top. But, you know, specifically, I think, you know, my wife is super bright. And then when she doesn't know something that I know, I used to do this thing like, oh, you didn't know that? Mm-hmm. And that could sound so condescending. I didn't, I didn't intend it to be condescending, but that's how I came off. So I could debate that with her, like, well, I don't intend to be condescending. I just was surprised you didn't know X, Y, or Z. But it went much better when I was just willing to um, look at that behavior and take up the fact that she felt put down when I would um, make a comment like that and do something differently. So rather than debate, reality, it's so much more efficient to demonstrate reality uh, that I am not who you feel I am. So I had to start to demonstrate, oh, I'm, I'm really not an asshole. And, I, and, and, and to do that, I had to take up that sometimes that's how I'm experienced. And what is it that I'm doing in the moment that might be misconstrued or experienced as asshole. That's a huge leap. I mean, or a shift, right? To actually ask. I mean, if, if all them, I mean, I'm just, because I work a lot with men. I mean, I just, you know, just imagining if, if all the men out there would, would actually pause to, to ask themselves that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I doing right now? Like the experience is being an asshole. You know, <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and and can and, and I mean, there's something pretty profound there that you're getting at. I mean, it, it's very, it's 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 it, it is it is not it is fundamental. It's uh, it, it's it's psychologically fundamental, and just in terms of you're talking about identity. I mean, you, you know, there's a, there's a primal fear there. I mean, I've experienced it, that if, if I, if I admit that fact, then it'll be used against me or, um, or I'll be, it, I guess it's also, it's also coming up against that central challenge to, to come to terms with our multiplicity, 
come to terms with the fact that we are both an asshole as well as an amazing husband and that we can hold them both. I mean, that to me, that I mean, it, I haven't really arrived there until last night. I mean, and I'm still in the process there because it's not, I, it, it, that doesn't seem to be something that we just arrive at very naturally. Like it's almost, it's a practice. It's an awareness practice. It's like a stretching into the fact that we are composed of like total egomaniac, grandiosity, grandiose aspects and the parts that are extremely humble and serving and that they're all coexisting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Uh, You're, you're describing like a level of self-acceptance and self-acceptance, not meaning anything goes as much as um, that there are all these facets to me to you that we don't always see that will be reflected by our partners. <laughs> and this is why I think loving is not for the faint of heart because, um, because we're not always going to be perceived in the way that we like to be perceived. And that can be challenging. And for some folks that's profoundly challenging and, and downright painful to be, to not be perceived the way we intend or the way we feel like we need to be perceived in order to know that we're okay or worthwhile, you know, valuable, lovable. Um, so it's been a, an amazing process for myself to both learn that I could be an asshole and even though I'm kind of an asshole sometimes, I'm still lovable. Uh, that that there's actually no conflict there mm-hmm. because I am multifaceted, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it becomes a becomes a, a a healing process, right? Wherein the the relationship ends up flushing out these these previously um, considered ta- uh, non acceptable dimensions or aspects of ourself. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's very similar for me. I mean, uh, to, to actually be seen in my, in my stinginess, in my, uh, non empathetic asshole, assholeness, because I identify so strongly as generous and empathetic, like that, that's who I am. Got, you know, and that's who I, it doesn't show. I've, I've, I've cultivated, that, you know, and that, and, you know, everybody else would, most everybody else would say, oh, Ryan, yeah, he's super empathetic, passionate, generous. I love that guy. Right. But then I get this reflection from my wife. That's just like where she actually sees when I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do like, I don't want to do that. Uh, or I don't want to hold space for you right now. I've just done that all day. And and to experience that is is a strange kind of of, of personal growth, you know, to just humbling, really. That's the way that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, that you can still love me at the end of that, you know, and then I can maybe you know try and love myself, witnessing these other aspects of myself that I don't particularly like or wish would just not be there. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, because perhaps you were invested in this identity of of um, whatever, how everyone else in the world sees you, but because your wife, she's backstage. You know, <laughs> she sees what's going on. <laughs> That's a perfect term for it. Right? She's backstage. And so it's it's easy, you know, easier for us, you know, put on a good show for the rest of the world. And and there's some genuineness there and sincerity that we we also have those those lovely, um, more shining qualities. But because we're humans, we also have qualities that are, uh, you know, less than less than that. Um, and again, the, the the ones that are closest to us will be the recipients of that, as well as they're the ones that are going to um, be able to perceive it oftentimes before we do. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't want that, uh don't get into a real relationship, a real loving relationship. <laughs> right. right. Just it should come with disclaimers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, you're right. I mean, it's not, I was, like, I was thinking earlier when you said, yeah, those are real. Those are real. I mean, there are, it, what I've been really feeling lately is that we there's so much hype about authenticity and being your true self. And honestly, I feel like it's a bit, it's just, it's, it's kind of bullshit on some level because it's just, it's just like we are, we are multifaceted and we are, we are contextual like we, we arise in the, depending on the context of where we are. And if we're, if we're not, if we haven't eaten enough and it's, and we've been up with the baby all night and we're, we are that, what you might call an asshole, but it's just, it's just a struggling human being that doesn't know how to communicate kindly in the moment. And and I think we're kind of arriving at is like this, this bigger ask that that relationship does um, eventually demand. And that is like a, a real radical acceptance of self, like where it is where you're, you just, you're in it for the long haul and you're watching all the different arise. Someone, not only you're not, not just you is, is watching it, but, but this other is too, like your partner is also watching the arising and falling away of all of these different facets and that there's hanging in there for it at the end of the day. And is, I mean, that's the best I can in the moment kind of come to the, the almost kind of spiritual dimension of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I thought where you were going with this, and maybe you were starting to go there, is you know this thing about authenticity, which I think sometimes can be misconstrued as, well, I want to be able to do whatever I want to do or feel however I want to feel, regardless of the consequences. Mm. And, and certainly we're going to feel however we feel, right? But as far as being authentic, I don't know if we get to just do whatever we want as when we feel like I don't, let me see if I can parse this out. I I, I don't, there are consequences for behavior. You're a dad. 
Mm-hmm. You're teaching your child that mm-hmm. there are consequences for behavior. And, um, and hopefully then we're living our lives in line with the consequences that we want, right? Creating the life that we want, creating the relationship that we want. So being authentic, I don't believe means that we get to express ourselves in whatever way we feel like it in the moment, because there's consequences to um, how we do that. And however it is we feel, perhaps that's our, our authentic experience, but part of being an adult and part of being good at loving is learning how to express oneself in a way that's still relational in a way that um, brings the result that we ultimately want, not just getting rid of a bad feeling in the moment. Because mm-hmm. um, that's acting out. That's what, again, that's what children do that don't yet have much of a cortex, which is why, um, you know, you're, how old's your child? Six. Six. <laughs> and um, so your six-year-old still needs help regulating and dealing with frustration and dealing with and you know tolerating frustration and um and helping to get what it is that he or she needs um and expressing what is your child's emelina emelina helping emelina um sync her behavior up with what it is that she wants in terms of getting, getting in a sense, getting what she wants. Yeah. And, and I think then as adults, uh, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us didn't grow up when we needed to grow up. Maybe it's a better way to say that a lot of us didn't, um, Maybe things happened because uh, we grew up in a tough environment. And so um, we had to develop certain strategies to deal with less than optimal um, experiences in sort of the relational environment. And so we developed strategies to cope with that, that were brilliant at the time. But being our authentic self doesn't necessarily mean using those same strategies as adults and expecting that we're going to um, get the kind of relationship that we want. You know, there, again, I'll go back to there are consequences to behavior. So if you were to, your wife comes down the stairs and you are angrily going to chew her out for not noticing what an awesome job you did with sweeping the floor you know, that's going to push her into a, uh, a particular state that also is probably not relational. And the chances of you getting that at a boy, nice job. Thank you. Uh, diminishes significantly, you know, she'll want to take the broom and, 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 and hit you with the broom. Not, you know, not really, but, um, I'm not advocating violence, but, but you know, that that's where she'll just want to run away from you. Um, and so, uh, to go back to your comment about authenticity, perhaps authenticity isn't, Hey, we get to let it all hang out just as we feel. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm sitting with, uh, thank you for that. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's clear. And, and I think it's an important message to be, to be put out there and, and to kind of build on it. I, what I'm sent, what I'm hearing and, and when, as people use it, this word uh, in relationship, uh, you know, be, being authentic, I, I often hear that it's, it actually is pointing to, let's see if I can get this. I've not really thought about this in depth until now, but it, it seems to be pointing to the, 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 the desire to be able to share the full spectrum of what's happening inside without walking on eggshells with, you know, with, without having to be so, um, so organizing around the other's fragility or the relationship's fragility, especially maybe I'm thinking of my, my, my own like kind of waspy um, background, like um, communities where there's, there's a lot of conflict avoidance. There's, um, there's, there's a lot of kind of keeping things in this kind of, what do they call that? Like a peak, like a kind of a um, false harmony and so the mm-hmm. uh, this word authenticity is a lot about like, well, I, I want to be able to sometimes be angry or I want to be sometimes just like really be like really be sad and not have, like not have it be this um, uh, issue or uh, to be dismissed or to be controlled. So I, I think it's pointing to that desire for for a fuller expressive re- relating. Yeah. Um, going back to that, that example of, um, like you, you had a particular need, you wanted some recognition for a job well done and for the efforts that you put in and just, um, and not to have to make believe that that wasn't there. So yeah, you're going to the other side of authenticity. I think I, I was reacting to maybe, um, sometimes what I see couples do partners do like, I have to just be authentic, but you you're underscoring authenticity really is about taking the risk of revealing what's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we're kind of like, it's that square, like, like it's coming back to that concept, like the sweet spot or something like somewhere in the middle where it is, mm-hmm. whether, where you're being a response, like you're being a responsible adult in the relationship around your, your emotions, you're in relationship, you're watching, like visually watching the impact of what you're expressing, like with your partner, like, like I think we both do with couples, like, are you looking at them? How are they doing with your expression right now? Are you noticing how they're, 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 they're leaving their bodies because you're being so, um, because there's so much, um, attack, attacking happening. Like basically just, are you, are you in that, Are, are you are you are you are you relational while you're while you're expressing while you're being authentic? Yeah, right. Advocating for oneself in a way that's still relational. And so I think of this as what we're not doing. We're not protecting the self at the cost of relationship, unless you really don't care about your relationship. So we can't protect the self at the cost of relationship. And we can't protect the relationship at the cost of the self. That's codependence. 
you know, in, in the true classic definition um, or sense of that word, codependence. So we're having to do two things, and it's complex. We are caring for ourselves in a way that's relational, and we're, we're protect- and we also care for the relationship in a way that's still um, good for the self. And there's a lot of room to play in that, in that ground, actually, where you're doing two things at once. It's just not easy to do. And it's not easy to do, especially if you learned early on that there's something inherently unfair about relationship. Um, so depending on where you come from and what kinds of experiences one has had, you know, what kind of deep learning about relationship uh, you had or I had, you know, this speaks to attachment. That is going to bias us in either imagining that we have to either protect ourselves um, and we can't have ourselves and have the relationship at the same time because there's some kind of inherent conflict there. But typically that's not true. It just feels true. Or that we somehow have to, um, you know, again, sacrifice herself. Yeah. Either sacrifice herself for the relationship or that the, somehow the relationship is so unreliable that, um, you know, we have to forget about ourselves and just, again, to, I, I think I'm saying this, the, the same sequence, but I think you get they it. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm right, like just wrote it down and like circled it. I was like, wow. I mean, right. This, this, that's the, the central, I, I just am struck in the moment by how, how that's the, the, the core, the core thing that, that every, everyone is it's, it's, and it's, ne- it's kind of never ending, right. It's this, it's this colon of like yes. juggling, you know, and maybe stacking more balls and just kind of really, and over time you get better, hopefully get better and better at it. But if you don't know the game, then you don't get better at it. You just maybe go from relationship to relationship, but thinking that there's some relationship where I don't have to care for the relationship. Actually, I just care for myself or whatever it is, whatever sort of uh, younger program you're running. Yeah. Yeah, I use the word koan. And, and there actually, I think, is a Zen koan, not, not two, not one. And, uh, and I think of that as um, quite revel- relevant to this task of loving well. Or, you know, you talk about the game, you know, this, this place that we're playing at being good partners and sharing a life together and having a, 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 a deeply satisfying um, relationship uh, between two people who are different. It's not an easy task. Yeah, no, it's not. And yet it's ultimately, it's, it's ultimately like just thinking to back to a place where we were, where we were before, where just kind of talking about how it's, um, it's, it's, it's ultimately the, at least in my mind, right. The, this, the, the most effective container or, um, sort of context for, 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 for growing actually, because then individually we can, I mean, we can just be in our own, we can really convince ourselves that 
we've done a lot of work. We've had a lot of amazing experiences and yeah. And I can't. Yeah. I mean, my own experience before I met my wife, um, I had been in a couple of longer term relationships, but, but never married. And, and before I met Rachel, it was interesting because you know, I, I was meditating literally like two hours a day. I had done a ton of my own therapy as a client. I really, am, I really believed that I was a, at a certain level of maturity and self-understanding and wisdom. And I got to see how, how it was that I was fooling myself in certain ways because here the love of my life shows up and all of a sudden there was all of this material, psychological material that was still um, alive and well inside of me. And it was just kind of dormant and just waiting for the right, the right person to unlock it inside of me. And so that I had the opportunity to um, address it, but it also was quite shocking and even painful because um, again, I was coming from this place of, I, I didn't think I was enlightened, but you know, at least I was like uh, moving in that direction. I imagined. And then all of, all of these insecurities um, came flying out of my closet, my sort of emotional closet that had been locked away that I, that I had to address. And, um, and so relationship, you know, really, I think is a profound accelerator for both personal and spiritual growth, because it's going to keep us really honest because it is easy to fool ourselves, or at least it, it, it's been easy for me to fool myself at times and imagining that I'm at a certain level of, um, of awareness of maturity and then to have that illusion be um, just decimated. How did, could you go more into like how you reframed it for yourself? So, cause I'm imagining, cause we actually have very parallel, I think journeys on some level. Like, um, and, but I'm wondering for you, how you would language it, like how you reframed it for yourself when, when, when there was no doubt, like this experience of, Hey, I was doing really well. And, and now like it, everything's topsy turvy or like, like, I feel like I'm in this real pain of a situation periodically. And yeah. How did you start to reframe it? So you stayed with it. So I think this is where um, partnership can can also be so healing and helpful. And this is where um, your partner becoming your consort, like your spiritual consort. So what was actually so helpful for me was Rachel's love, because I went into, I would go into this shame spiral where I, where parts of myself were being seen and parts of myself, you know, my, my insecurities about certain things that were, uh, frankly, repulsive to me, which is why I hid them from myself. And then there they were arising between us and there was no place to hide. And it's like cats out of the bag. She saw this stuff. And the fact it, what was really helpful was she didn't run screaming 
from the room or from the relationship. Because I imagined that if she knew these things about me, that she would run screaming and she would be repulsed. Um, and that's what was keeping my own pocket of shame um, embedded in my, in my psyche, in my being, right? Um, so, uh, you know, my brain was kind of keeping that stuff out of awareness um, that I even had that. And that's why, you know, I had this image of myself. And again, when that got, um, when that dissolved in relationship, uh, first I did go to that, that shame place. And yet the fact that she didn't run away and that she could tolerate the fact that, you know, warts and all at the end of the day, um, she still wanted to be in relationship with me that actually really started to heal that stuff for me. And, um, and then I could start to relate to it differently and I can start to actually uh, maybe see myself not through my eyes, but start to see myself through her eyes. Um, and then that became my own view of myself. And as I say that out loud, you know, then development, because that's like a little pocket of arrested development. Shame is like, it's like a little traumatic pocket of arrested development. And, and frankly, I think we all have, we all have some of that. We all have a closet where, you know, there's something on the shelf that we do not want to look at about ourselves. And we don't want to show anyone else either because um, somewhere along the line, we, we learned, you know, that isn't really welcome. That part of us isn't really loved or welcome or accepted. So, um, so we adopted that strategy ourselves. I adopted that strategy myself, but then to be willing to talk about authentic, to take that stuff off the shelf and, um, and, and be willing to reveal it because frankly, it's going to fall off the shelf and there's going to be a loud noise and your partner's going to be like, wait, what was that sound? Something fell off. the (laughs) What's in the closet? And they're going to open up the door and we're going to be like, no. And they're going to see what's in there, you know, like it or not. If you're in a real relationship, a partner will see what's in there. And this is where you start to help each other heal. And, um, if you can stay with each other's experience, stay with each other's shame, now you start to help each other to, um, learn something else that we, despite having these fears, uh, of inadequacy or, um, being too much or whatever it is that in the face of our partner's love, we can start to relate to those disown parts of ourselves um, in a way that is compassionate. That, that all hinges on, that's beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that. I mean, just, yeah, I'm touched by that description of it. And I can feel how that's happened in, in my own, in my, and still happening in my own, in my own relationship. And, uh, and I, and I, and I am struck by that, by the question of, or the the point that it, that it requires that the other actually is willing to love those parts that you're in a relationship where that's kind of the, the agreement, the deal that like, okay, we both have like parts of us that, 
that are not not pretty the warts right we both have them and uh we're 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 both committed to um allowing allowing them to come to the foray and 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 we both intend to do our to to love them yeah because if if we don't i mean just imagine now you're actually replaying you're completely you know recapitulating um sort of your your worst fears about relationship it really is like that. i really can't reveal that i can't really be myself yeah. i can't be authentic um and so if that's the case you know then uh i mean that's a tough situation frankly right and i mean we probably both have worked with people who have who have been in multiple relationships where that's happened and they were they're really quite cynical or avoidant yeah. naturally of those relationships you know and there's almost like a I'm imagining kind of like a particular process to help them actually really develop the discernment i guess they need to be able to you know assess whether this other is actually is is capable yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it, it, frankly it, it might be a deal breaker um but but uh and, and it would be good to know that because if you're going to spend your life with someone you, you want to be able to fully be yourselves again that doesn't mean that anything goes but I think we all long to be able to relax and be ourselves and know that we're, uh, we're lovable as we are. And that doesn't mean that we're not continuing to work on things and be relational and, um, be willing to grow and change. But, um, you know, we we don't want to have to walk around faking it because, you know, that, that shame stuff will just, uh, it won't move. It'll, it'll stay embedded. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of wrapping up here, I'm, I'm wondering if you would be willing to kind of give the listeners kind of on this note, like, I mean, I know it's, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I'm wondering if you could give some, some sort of generalized ad, advice or um, direction around, uh, you know, the, for say say uh, let me make it more specific for 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 that person that is actually at a phase in their relationship where they aren't sure whether this is a safe enough mature enough container for what you're describing and like what you would say to them in terms of uh directing them through that process so that they don't kind of get stuck in it or so that they don't maybe uh re-traumatize themselves re-injure themselves yeah. Well, I would err on the side of um, of taking risks. You know that adult life is filled with taking risks, and hopefully, it's a calculated risk. And then that doesn't matter if you know it, it, it goes for if we're talking about investing money or investing your heart. It's a, it, it should be a calculated risk. And so um, there really is no completely, quote unquote, like safe relationship in the sense that there's, like, there's no guarantees. So you have to, you have to test um, what the relationship is made of. So you have to test revealing yourself more and more um, and being more and more honest. Uh, 
about what you're longing for and what your fears are. And if partners can start to, again, be consorts, they start to be, um, be willing to risk together in owning and acknowledging and learning about uh, deeply embedded fears, because we're all motivated by fear. That's a basic human mammal and just animal instinctual drive. None of us would be here if um, we're not descended from people that uh, weren't fearful. The ones that didn't have a fear mechanism, you know what happened to them. They didn't make it. So the rest of us, fear is a deep motivator. So to be able to really look deeply into yourself and your partner about what are each of you scared of in relationship and what is it that each of you deeply long for and start to risk revealing that in a way that is um, relational and loving. Uh Start to learn how to respond to each other's fears and longings in ways that are loving because that's what we all want. And so partners can together, you know, look each other in the eyes and say, hey, are we going for it? Or are we just, you know, making believe or playing it safe? Or are we going for it? And are we going to really love fully? And are we really going to uh, love fully while also being ourselves fully and we're going to figure out how to um, create that experience together. So hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's great. It's a great answer. And, and as you were speaking, it's, it's something kind of formulate my kind of this, this, this vision of, of a partner, you know, it just takes even one one partner on some level to take that leadership. It's maybe even at certain phases in the relationship, but whatever. At at at, at, at even an initial phase in a relationship, for one partner to take the leadership to to do what you're describing to test, and it doesn't have to. I mean, really getting in the moment, it doesn't have to be the the whole dump. Like, and at two years old, blah blah, blah like. You know, it doesn't have to be the whole thing, it, but you are to, to, but to be like intentional and like deliberate and, and like you're saying courageous, but, but not courageous to the point of, well, that's not courage anymore. It's just the foolhardiness. Right. Um, so, so that they're, they're testing, they're revealing, and then they're noticing what happens back. Like, is the person, is the person like here, like, like, able to stay with it and be like, wow, that happened to you. Or, wow, let me, let me know. It. I, I feel moved to share something uh, that I'm scared of. And, you know, is that happening or is there something like, whoa, like that was a little much. I think, you know, I think we need to take a break. It's like, well, then that's not probably the person that's going to, that's ready to be in a mature adult relationship where it is about these taking risks. It is about like the ever um, unfolding of, of the, the inner, the inner landscape. Um, And so there is a, there is a, like a, a, a very um, realist or uh, doable, albeit uncomfortable process that anyone can do in order to move it from 
kind of like, I'm not sure if there's anything here, here. Like if there is a, a relationship that can hold my, my deepest fears and longings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think well said, you know, so, so I guess I think we're, what we're both saying is how, you know, love is not for the faint of heart. Um, and if you're at the beginning of a relationship, may, you know, test this, test out the relationship some, uh, a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, you're titrating this, uh, this process. So it's not like you said, just a, just a dump, but you're titrating it to see really what the, what the potential is here. And, or if you've been um, in a relationship for 20 years and you haven't really tested it, you know, start to actually test it, start to test it because, um, so you can, you can experience, you, you're testing out the tinsel strength what this relationship can and can't hold. I think that's a great metaphor or uh, principle, right? The, the testing the tensile strength of the relationship and, be, and being active, active in that. And um, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think that that's what, that's what well, both of our approaches are. I mean, that, 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 that it that sometimes it often doesn't happen without, without, a, a del- without deliberate effort. Right. That, that, the, the testing itself, it, 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 it's, and it's really unfortunate and, um, honestly, just, just really painful to, to not be act somewhat active, you know, in, in the, in the testing and the building and, and therefore like the, the, um, the strengthening of, of this container that like you said, like through your own beautiful story, like can, can determine whether you like truly, truly wake up to your, to the fullness of who you are or you don't. I mean, a lot's on the line there. Well, thank you, Jeff. This has been more, more than I could have expected on some level, just really like the, the, the terrain that we opened up felt just really. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan, for doing this podcast and, and helping people out there um, navigate relationship and loving. It's, yeah, you're doing a good thing. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Till next time. Hey, everyone. How about that? Uh, I enjoyed the conversation with Jeff. I hope you did. Uh, definitely want him back on the podcast. He's just got a wealth of information. We just touched, we just touched the tip of the iceberg there. And, uh, Please uh, reach out to me, uh, RyanRyanGinn.com or on the Facebook page, Ryan Ginn Coaching, and let's continue the conversation. All right, till next time, be well. Mm-hmm.